Good morning and welcome to Entrepreneurial Realities, the podcast of the Venture Lab of the Munich Technical University. In this series, we will discuss with leading entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and intellectual authorities to illustrate many sides of, entrepreneur, of entrepreneurship and inspire students at Two Men Elsewhere to start their own entrepreneurial journey. My name is Antoine Le Boyer. I'm the managing director of the Software and AI Toom Venture Lab, and we are joined today with Daniel Garnitz. Daniel is the CEO and co-founder of Faren. He's based in Würzburg, and Faren is over three years old. He's really very busy after a significant race, so Daniel must be doing a number of things which are uh, pretty right. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Andrew, thanks for having me. Daniel, why, let's start by, by um, tell us what Faren uh, business is about. Yeah, so, so the, the car subscription market is very evolving currently. So we started like three to four years ago. But in, when you look at the overall market of car subscription, you see a lot of car subscription providers like Cluno, Finn, Viva La Car, etc. But Faren is not a car subscription provider. We are more a software and marketplace company, which enables other companies to become a car subscription provider. So, so in, in general, we, we just provide the software and tools and partnerships for corporations who want to offer like car subscription services. So this is uh, in a very, in a nutshell, what, what Farhan is doing. So in a way, you are, so you are a B2B2C. Correct, correct. So we, are, we have no B2C uh, contracts. So every rental or subscription contract is directly with our dealership groups. We have partners, which are rental companies. We have car manufacturers, automotive banks, car insurance companies, or also like new founded companies, especially so currently we are, onboarding a car subscription provider, which is doing all the services, car subscription services, just for the city of Heilbronn. So this is a quite um, quite interesting uh, journey that is going through the automotive market currently. So no contracts with end consumers. Our partners have the direct uh, like binding contract with the, the all the people who want to drive in car subscription. Now, um... Let me ask you one question, which is something that many uh, students are too often grapple with. How did you came with the idea? So it was 2017. So you, you are now in, in Munich. So back then I was also in Munich. So I worked uh, for BMW for the, the ventures. So the BMW Ventures is a BMW uh, I Ventures. So this is a fund. We have the BMW Startup Garage, which is the venture client model. And we have Urbex, which is the accelerator program in New York from BMW. And back then, uh, I was working for uh, startup sourcing. I did uh, digitalization for, for investment uh, funnel. And back then, one of the uh, principles of iVentures told me about the investment in Fair.com, which was in the beginning of 2017. And Fair.com is one of the biggest car subscription providers in, in the world. So back then they had a couple of ten tens of thousands of vehicles on the street, but they were asset heavy. So the, they were not as positions, positions as we are, we are now. But I really love the, the product from the consumer side because uh, since my, my childhood, I'm a really, really big uh, car fan. And my two companies before I was in the news uh, industry, I was in the shift planning industry and it was not that 
that cool in in my opinion so i, I just love the 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 consumer product which is an all-inclusive car that you subscribe completely online in two to three minutes and that's it and you can have like very very flexible terms and conditions and this was the 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 starting point so just before we come back to Farhan, you've just said something which is important because that's something also that we see with many um, uh, companies which which are doing well. This was not their first company. Correct, correct. It's my my third one, but the the first one that is really evolving that I'm doing like like full time. So the two companies. What did you learn from the first ones? Ah, a lot of stuff. So the very first one, I started it when I was, I think, 19. Um, I was working for Deutsche Telekom back then. And I got to know the uh, Deutsche Telekom Capital Partners. So they, they called themselves back then like this. Today, they are, I think, Telecom Ventures or something. And they, they told me about uh, the startup market in general, that there are people who, who like to build up new companies and they are not that's smarter than I am, uh, as they told me. And back then, I, I always thought that when you, when, you look, when you work for big corporations, you see a lot of stuff going on because a lot of stuff is going on in, in these corporations. But the reality shows that when we are just like, like a very small number in this company, you have no clue about what is going on in this company. So it is really completely different. And this is why I, I decided to really... Just, just get started with the first company. I just put out a WordPress a blog and uh, I just copy pasted some, some links from, from news. And this was like uh, the very, very first MVP of my first startup, which was a news ranking engine. So at the end, we crawled the overall web, uh, all news and sorted them through the Facebook and Twitter API via social rankings. But we never really reached uh, product market fit. And the biggest mistake I made is that I co-founded this company with a very, very old friend and I had no clue about uh, doing it and he had no clue about doing it. But we, we did it like three years or something, but we, we learned a lot. So we, we attended all meetings in, in Munich and in Berlin, started to build up our network and really a lot of stuff like, like putting out press releases. So I, I just randomly called and uh, wrote to like uh, journalists but we never got like like a press release uh, online. So, but I worked for like two to three weeks to to get the press release and uh, to make the list of emails from the journalists, etc. But it really it never stick. <laughs> so it's a really really hands on or hands on work. And but the learning curve is really extreme. Now you started when you were nineteen. Can I ask how old you are today? Uh, on Saturday I'm going to be twenty eight. Oh, marvelous. Um... <laughs> You started with four associates. Of do you you when you wanted to, when you started far and you brought in four four associates. Um, what were their role? What was their background? Were they the same age as you? Can you tell a bit about these? Because forming a team is really unbelievably important. For yeah, sure, sure thing, sure thing. So um, before I talk to to my current uh, founding team, there was one one experience I made with my second company. So my second company, I founded it in 2015. Uh, back then I started to, to study e-commerce and uh, I was always the, the startup guy. So in, in the very first uh, like uh, day of, of the new studies, uh, I pitched my, my first startup in the Audi Max because I wanted to have more and more users. So everybody knew, okay, started, Daniel is the, the startup guy. And like 
two to three weeks uh, in, in studies, uh, one of my uh, colleagues uh, came up to me with the idea of shift planning for, for small doctors. And we started this as a software as a service, but it directly failed because I, I got to know him like, like four weeks or something. So I had no clue how he's doing. And this is um, the, the reason because uh, the, the second company failed. So this was the, the starting point. So two companies failed because of uh, like team in the very, very first beginning, the team is, is the only thing that, that you have. So my current uh, co-founding team is, um, I know them since also the, the first of semester in 2015. I just uh, did a lot of parties with them. My CTO, I, I got all the, the homework uh, stuff for programming from him. So it's, it's uh, the normal study stuff. And uh, in 2017, when I came back to, to Würzburg from Munich from my time at BMW, I just reached out to Max, who was one of uh, the good friends here. And I told him about the, the car subscription market, about fair.com, but uh, I knew I wanted to start in this market, but I had no clue how to do it because I, I was working in, in VC and in startup, in e-commerce, so more online than automotive. And then we, I really got to um, explain, I don't have to explain a lot to Max. So he was directly uh, on fire for, for, the, for this idea. But the idea was just the the consumer product, so car subscription, all, all inclusive product. And that was what that was the the beginning idea. And then we reached out to to Constantine. Uh, we call him Kostya, also one of the good friends. I was sitting in in the last row of of our studies, and there I met him. And in the last row, and we, we just watched videos, etc. And but I all. all always knew that he's very good in design and marketing. So he learned graphic designer and uh, was working online marketing for several years and, and he's just a cool guy. And then we reached out to Fabian. Fabian is a little bit older. He's like 34 or something. Was working for 12 years in the military police here, here in Germany. And he also studied with us. And we knew, we knew okay, we need someone who can like, like program this stuff. So the, the technical aspect. And then we reached out to him and uh, he was also directly on fire. And then uh, we reached out to Ike. Um, today, Ike is not on board anymore. He, he, he sold his shares like the beginning of last year. But uh, he was um, responsible for all the product related uh, stuff. So he was or he is uh, very, very good in conversion optimization and product design, etc. So we had a really, really complementary team. Uh, in the beginning, it was all the same. So everybody was, was doing uh, everything. So Fabian was, was like the technical part, but all the roles, they really evolved within the time. So especially Max, Max is now running all the daily businesses, HR, he's running uh, finance, support, a strategic platform uh, evolvement, etc. But in the beginning, you don't have HR, you don't have finance, you, you don't have all the processes that are in place uh, as right now. So we are now like 35 people plus 20 uh, freelancers, agencies, et cetera. So now we have processes. Now he's one of the, the most relevant persons uh, in, in, in the team, in the company. But back then, uh, as, and also for me, we, we don't have the, the responsibilities. So fundraising is always uh, in, in, in my priority. So you, you have fundraising when you, when you just start out. So this is a work that you always have to do. But um, like, like daily business is really need, needs, needs more time. I'd like to come back later to the fundraising, but uh, if we come back to this uh, first phase, 
if I remember well our discussion, one of the first thing, of course, that you did is that you you wanted to do an MVP. You did an MVP, and then you went on to get a number of feedback from 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 the car dealers. Um, there are a couple of great stories that you told about what happened on the MVP. So could you elaborate on that? Because um, many of the elements that you've done, we see students at TUM um, having very similar experience. Yeah. So I'm in the startup scene for, for, for like now several years. And in the first year where when I, when I was like learning, learning all the stuff, so founding a company, there was always one mantra. The MVP must be an MVP. So don't over-engineer the MVP. So I know this since 2013 or something. But our first MVP was, was way too much over-engineered. And I, I knew it for like seven years or something in, in this time. I knew that you, you have to like start really, really lean. And we didn't do it. We just didn't do it. And we knew uh, that we have to start lean and we didn't do it. So it was a, was a big mistake. We lost like six months of or something. You, you, you realize that this is something very typical with engineers. We, we have on the, had on the podcast um, Tom Eisenman. And I don't know if the, this episode will be heard before yours or after but he he heads the he co-heads entrepreneurship studies at the Harvard Business School, and he has analyzed why startups who follow the lean startup method fail, and he said that engineers have a bias for action and they always over-engineer their their MVP. So if you, if you just have four or five months of cash, losing the time to develop the MVP, realizing this is a big issue. Can Definitely. you so what were the can you give examples of the findings of showing an MVP, uh, you know, so, so first, you know, there's first lesson that you are saying, which is that don't over-engineer your MVP. And, and this is something that we, that is really important. The other thing is that um, people say usually don't rush into an MVP, do the, the uh, analysis phase. So, um, had you done the, have you done the analysis phase because of your, because of your fair.com? And the second question is, what were examples of the findings when you showed the MVP to the car dealers? Mm -hmm. so, so we started the development. So we, we had an idea from the consumer product. So we wanted like a monthly car subscription. And this was also the idea that we started to develop in the beginning of 2018. And back then I was talking to BMW and then I did a roadshow throughout Germany. Uh, I visited lots and lots of car dealers, rental companies, etc. And we always presented uh, the, the product to them and, and the idea behind the product. And back then there were a couple of uh, car dealers also in the area of, of Würzburg here who had like the topic of car subscription on the on their desk. So they, they knew it was coming and they were open to discuss. And then there was a big Audi and Volkswagen dealership here in Würzburg where we were like every two to three weeks where we presented the new product, the new findings, wanted to have more, more input. And one of the findings that, so looking, looking back, it is obvious. So we started to like, as I said, um, you could have subscribed by one month and you can cancel every month. And the, the people from the dealership said, okay, when, when, you, when they subscribe for six months or 12 months on fixed, we can provide lower prices. So looking now on the product, where when, when you have a little experience in, in automotive, it's obvious. But back then we were just uh, some, some e-commerce guys uh, who wanted like to develop some, some cool software. And we said, oh, now we need to adjust the product. 
And there were a couple of also the kilometer packages and all the legal stuff that you need uh, to look at when, when you provide rental, uh, rental vehicles on the street. Lots and lots of legal findings. So for our uh, legal terms and conditions, we, we had to invest like 30,000 euros. So providing rental product contracts, especially in the automotive industry, is kind of uh, invest heavy. <laughs> So, so lots of lots of findings, but the, the biggest finding was in the beginning when we start, we launched in in November 2018, and back then we were a car subscription provider, so we had direct rental uh, contracts with the customers, and this is why we need heavy operations. So we needed to do everything on our own. So we, we rented out the the vehicles from the dealerships, and then we also rented them to the to the consumers. But we pivoted the, the business model within like three to four months uh, in the very beginning to, to marketplace and then a year later to also software white label because the dealerships, they wanted to, to provide their own branding. They wanted to have it in their strategic uh, papers. And this is why they wanted to have the direct uh, contract with the, the customers. And for us, it was, we had lower risk, we had lower operations because of the, we, we didn't do any any support anymore uh, for for the consumers and we really could have could focus on on the software and marketplace approach and the, this approach that we are not a car subscription provider and more software company this is our biggest market usp that we currently have so you basically if i step back and, and try to to summarize what you said you spotted an opportunity which would be that in europe there would be like in the us uh, um, you know, an opportunity for, for people to s- rent, to subscribe, sorry, I shouldn't be using rent, to, buy, acquire, to acquire a car via subscription model. This was the idea. Then you uh, started with the idea of offering this as, uh, you know, to consumer. And then you pivoted by realizing that the um, positioning you wanted to have which would you know which, 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 which is to serve the car to serve the car dealers to offer them capabilities they wouldn't have. Uh, there's a company in Canada which is known about this called Shopify. Have you heard of them? Yeah, sure, sure. So we, we are just like uh, Shopify, but we also have a marketplace. So when, when Shopify would do a marketplace on top of their white label solutions, that would be hundred percent our approach. But okay. our white label software approach is Shopify, yeah. But Shopify is not also because they actually pivoted also. If you already know the story, they wanted to sell um, snowboard gears and they, they started developing tools to be able to actually make a website. And then suddenly someone came and says, you know, I don't know if there's tons to do on this on the snowboard, but this website builder is really interesting. Yeah. So there was also a, a, a similar type of, uh, of pivot. You've alluded a few times to fundraising, uh, and uh, this is something where you and I have discussed more, 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 more than a few times. Um, can you explain what this is to do fundraising when you start? Not, not right now, because right now you've got numbers, you can show growth, you have much more ability to be able to, to, uh, to give a number of quantitative elements. So how was this to start doing fundraising at the very beginning? Really, really hard, uh, really hard. <laughs> so, I had I had a quite good network back then, uh, but more a network for like uh, VCs from Series uh, Seed A B rounds. So when, when you when you start out, 
it's it's important that you talk to them every every time. So especially with with the first idea. So I was reaching out to VCs in the beginning of 2018 already. So when I had the first pitch deck, I reached out to some some friends who were working in in VC. And, and just pitched and, and wanted to have feedback for a strategy or something. But I, I don't wanted to have money. So we had nothing. So there wasn't an, anything to, to invest in. And in the beginning, so back then, I, I had no network to business angels. And I think this is a really, really big gap. So this was a really, really challenge when you look at for for like 100 or 200,000 euros in the beginning, which is very, which is enough uh, for, for the first couple of months to 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 like uh, try out the, the MVP. But back then I, I reached out to, to, to everybody I, I knew and I wanted to have introductions to everyone. And then luckily the, the first investment was four weeks after founding the company. But this was more and more a lucky shot. And this is uh, Carsten Berner, the founders of a uh, consulting company. And now he's almost seven digits uh, invest in, in, in Fahren uh, already. So we really lucky shot, but he's a, he's a really, really strong supporter in this company. We're also like living in, in his uh, office, uh, <laughs> office building, uh, etc. You ask him why, why, why he, why he did this. Did have you ever had the curiosity of asking him? Yeah, I asked, I asked him a couple of months ago. So I was sitting there in his office and we, we just had a, like a, like a relaxed conversation and, and just said, Carsten, so what the hell, why did you invest back then? So the presentation was a mess. The business case was like, like three rows in an Excel, which there was nothing, no assumptions, and was just a crunchy numbers in this Excel sheet. So I just had a look at it a couple of weeks ago and I said, Carsten, why did you invest in this company? So that there was nothing. We weren't live. There was no proof. There was nothing. And he, he just said that, okay, you guys, you, you were on fire and uh, I really liked it. And now let, let's see. But he also said that uh, when, when he invested the money, he, in, in his head, he just said, okay, the, the money is, is, is away. So, <laughs> but, but now it's, uh, he has a really, really great uplift from his, from his invest. So this is, this is quite good. That's great. Now, you, so you had someone that gave you the ability to start for a few months, but you didn't stop there. Again, please. You you are therefore with uh, this business angel the ability to have a few months of, of operation, but of course you didn't stop there. So can you explain and describe what what you what you did after? Yeah, so so we had a runway of like eight to ten months from 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 the first investment, so until like summer nineteen, and uh, I always uh, so when you fundraise, you know how much runway you have. Depending on on your on your revenue growth, and and margin growth, um, but you know where when is the end. So so you instantly start to fundraise again, and this is what uh, since then also today I I'm always doing. So fundraising never stops, really never stops. And uh, in 2019, let me let me think a, a second. Um, it was the time when. Uh, I think a dealership group uh, in, invested in, in our company. And back then we had also had M&A discussions with, with a big corporation in, in Germany. So we had the first offering for buying our company in, in 2019, which we then declined. So we, we also did, did a bit, be one of the biggest mistakes uh, in the history of this company. So we, we really, when we had the M&A conversations with this company, 
it was quite attractive, uh, I must say, because after after this, like like half a year later, after the discussions, this company was sold again. So the uplift would have been uh, quite good. But um, we really focus on this M&A transaction. Uh, we, we just had this topic, the operational business. We don't uh, focus anymore on this one. We focus really on the M&A transaction. And also in, in, in our team, we, we all... We, we had like a lot of ideas how, how we can do it, etc. And we had an offer for half a million invest from, from a new investor and we declined it because of this M&A transaction. And this uh, company that wanted to buy us then started to, to finance our company on a monthly basis uh, until the, the, the conversation stops. And uh, in, in the very, very end, they showed some, some, some really... Uh, facts for for like like salary earnout period etc that we did like didn't like at all and then we we had to decline also this one we we had a runway of like 10 days back then and uh, then there was a carsten again <laughs> who who bridged uh, bridged uh, uh, with some money also with his uh, colleague hans peter and uh, then we raised another round in christmas uh, 19 and there I was signing the contract on the on the second of Christmas Day uh, in 2019, so I had no chance to to like to drink coffee uh, with my grandmother's day. <laughs> I was signing this in uh, in the McDonald's um, in Fulda. <laughs> so after that, you know, um, you've just said that you've kept uh, on being busy on fundraising. Can we come back at the beginning again? Um, how would you describe, quote unquote, your day, your role when you start at the beginning? And has how has these been evolving over the over the years? Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, so my, my first job is always that we have enough money in the bank. So in, in the beginning, also as now, so the, the, the dynamics are the same today as back then. But back then we had very, very few expenses. So in the very beginning we had, we had nothing. So this was quite good when you start out, when you try out your MVP and you don't do it full-time, uh, you, you don't have a runway. So this is this is quite good. And this is also, also what, what I said to, to, to the team back then. So this is a really relaxed time right now, the next couple of months. But when we raise money, then it really gets, gets hot in here. <laughs> And so today, so we know our runway, we, we spent a lot, a lot, a lot of more money, but, but the dynamics are the same. And um, yeah, the, the, the job that never ends is the, the fundraising process and uh, all the press and, and public relations work. This is the, the same work that I do today than I did uh, back then. But back then I... I like inserted vehicles on the platform manually. Um, I wrote taxes for marketing. So as CEO in the beginning, you, you, the best is you, you don't look at their titles because your titles uh, in, within the company have, have, no, have no reasonable uh, thing to do. So we had like three, three people on marketing back then. So Max was CMO. But also Ike and Konstantin, the three were CMO because we really needed to do marketing. So we don't have any operations. And I, back then I did sales operationally. Uh, I did sales uh, until October last year. So I did it a, lot, a long, long time. Uh, so sales and corporations. 
um because so CSO is quite quite expensive you, you don't have the money in the beginning to to get some some really experienced uh, people uh, in in the company and today it's more strategic work so today um is more meetings uh, more more calls and very very less operational stuff so the only thing today that i do really operationally is uh, definitely my my emails and the pitch deck for fundraising The, these are the, the only two things that I do now operationally. Everything else is really in, in the teams uh, uh, responsible for, for, for my colleagues then. So it's, it's a completely different type of work. But in the beginning, I always said, okay, when we have more people on the team, we have less work, but it's the opposite. So we, we have more work. We have different work. We have more discussions in the team. We have... Where we have more stuff to 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 think about, also the processes, etc. It it really is is completely different, but it's it's uh, it's the same fun as back then. Now you you haven't mentioned at all anything about the technology, and I remember the first time we met, um, you said your next uh, meeting was actually reviewing all the features for the sprint for prioritization. So were you involved in the beginning on technology or did you had such a great team in terms of, you know, your CTO that you didn't need to be involved in that at the beginning? I, I wasn't that involved. So we always just discussed this one, but uh, I, I wanted to have co-founders who can do it on their own, that everybody can do it, can do their stuff. So uh, of course we, we discussed a lot, a lot of points, but uh, everyone in, in our team has his like like department his responsibilities and when he needs feedback then we can discuss it uh, or when, when the numbers like like stagnate or like decrease then we discuss it too and but we, we have really really great responsibilities otherwise you, you you cannot like run this companies to today with with four co-founders when you have like overlapping responsibilities fine Look, this, we're reaching the end of the, the podcast. Do you have any recommendation for students at TUM? Well, when I look back for, for my first company, I really struggled a lot of uh, a few weeks to really, okay, I have this idea for, for ShareRace, this, this news app, and I had no clue how to, how to start. And I've read a lot of things, how to start, et cetera, et cetera. The, 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 the best... Uh, tip I can give to to Zoom students is just just get get started. It doesn't matter how a, word, a WordPress blog or anything else. So an MVP can be like sign up by email right now if you're interested in this product. If you have like 500 uh, customers who are interested, then ask him. Okay, do you want to pre-order like for for 10 euros, and then you get it instantly. And maybe you get a uh, hundred uh, customers who like pay 10 10 euros. So and then you, you have you have like like little numbers and then you, you can randomly just reach out to to VCs and VCs are always open to like make introductions to business angels and uh, then you can get get the ball rolling and this is this is really important to to get the idea out. So when I was I was also investor manager for Fogel Ventures uh, a year uh, as a as an investment manager and. I, I talked to hundreds of, of founders back then, also also at my times at BMW. And there were a lot of people who just said, ah, I cannot tell you my idea, but it's it's in stealth mode, etc." So stealth mode is the worst, the worst uh, word you can use as a founder. So there's no stealth mode. When when you 
when you like like explain your idea, you you must have in your head. So so when when I explain to you Antoine what, what is Farhan doing in this second, I need to to have in my mind. So Antoine, it's completely he don't really care. It's, it's just when you explain your idea to 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 anyone, they don't care about your idea. So th this is the reality. So there are no people who's like, oh, this is a great idea. I'm going to copy it. This is, this is almost never happening. Almost never. And one last question is, you were at BMW. You were never tempted by a corporate career. You knew that you wanted to be an entrepreneur very early on. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So BMW was, was really randomly that I was working there. It uh, was really, again, net network uh, on LinkedIn uh, there where I saw this, this opportunity. But I'm not, not a corporate guy. I'm, I'm really a startup guy. And, and I, was, I also love to, to help, help other startups by fundraise, by building up MVPs. Uh, I'm helping in, in Würzburg a couple of startups to, to, to get out there. So I really I love this industry. I love when you have like an idea and you can like move things forward. You have like impact in markets. So when I look how much impact we have today in, in the automotive industry, which is really, really big, but it's almost 100% offline. So a really, really big opportunity. But in the beginning, when when we started in, in this industry, I was, I was kind of afraid because this market is really big and really difficult. And today I know it's more difficult than I thought back then. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just talk about your idea, get the word out and, and get started. That's great. Daniel, thank you for this. Happy birthday and many success for the future of Farhan. <laughs> thank you, Antoine. Entrepreneur Reality is available on major podcast platforms where you can find other inspiring presentations. Do subscribe if you like this podcast and want to hear more. Do give us a rating and let your friends know about it. And we look forward to having you for more Entrepreneur Realities. <laughs>